film or a, a play of the nativity, who would you have in your starring roles? You know, if you asked the people out there, who would be the starring roles? They saw the nativity on Friday. Who would be the featuring? Because there's always a grade, isn't there? In the credits, there's always a grade. There's starring, featuring, and then who would you have as your guest appearance? Uh, I received a trailer recently of a new uh, musical production of the Nativity from America, where uh, Antonio Banderas is playing Herod. He's the guest star. He gets that kind of uh, interesting, interesting part, but perhaps not the starring part. Perhaps you might have a guest appearance of somebody playing the innkeeper, which is interesting because he doesn't actually appear in the biblical narrative at all. But if you were to ask the average person who was here and saw the nativity uh, on Friday or in the street, would anybody mention Zechariah and Elizabeth? They're a side note in some nativity plays, but Luke chooses to begin his narrative with with this elderly couple We know their names. We know a little bit of their history. Unlike some that might be more well-known in the story, we don't know the names of the wise men or the shepherds or much of their history. But these people are special. God has given them a purpose. Each person in the nativity has a purpose. But Luke starts with somebody who is in the margins. God works his grace in the margins and not just centre stage. So we will take a few minutes now to consider particularly Zachariah's story. How he fulfills that promise. Oh, sorry, how he fulfills God's purpose. His is a story of promise, problem and praise. Now, we are told a bit of his ancestry. He's a priest, and he and his wife are good Jews. We are told specifically they are righteous, and they observe the Jewish laws blamelessly, and there are many Jewish laws to observe. But they have the heartache, and they suffer for years, the sadness of being childless, for which Elizabeth would have been blamed and shamed. At the end of that reading, she calls it her disgrace. But after those years of heartache, they are given the promise of a baby. By this time, they are too old, probably old enough for the hope of parenthood to be over. But in Zechariah and Elizabeth, we can see that God's promise and purpose for them is not bound by their limitations. Theirs is to be a miraculous baby. It is not a pregnancy they have the pro- uh, the, a promise to claim. I fear too many of us have heard too often the suggestion that we can simply name it and claim it for things that God has not actually promised and we have no right to claim. Even if A baby is something that we know Zechariah has prayed for because verse verse 13 tells us his prayer has been heard. 
God's purpose for them is to bring them the blessing of a child, something in God's gift and only God's gift. But this was not an ordinary child, a child whose own purpose would be the fulfilment of scripture. Their child would be the one who fulfilled the prophecy that we heard at the beginning of this service, the one who would prepare the way for Jesus. You can see some parallels between Zechariah and Joseph. Both ordinary men called to extraordinary service as dads. And in the proclamation of this birth, Luke begins to explain to his readers how this is the beginning of God's fulfilment of his promises and purposes for the redemption of Israel. In verses 16 and 17, we read, He will bring back many of the people of Israel to the Lord their God, and he will go before the Lord in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the parents to their children, the disobedient to the wisdom of the righteous, to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. An ordinary couple were going to have a miraculous baby to fulfill prophecy. And as a priest, Zachariah would have been familiar with the scriptures and the enormity of what the angel Gabriel was telling him. This purpose was great, but on another level, really quite ordinary. People have babies every day. Bringing up a child is not that unusual. God uses ordinary people, but he also uses ordinary events and ordinary acts of service to achieve his purposes. For Zechariah, then, the extraordinary promise was for him to do an ordinary thing. And the ordinary things we do for God hold the promise that God can work the extraordinary through us. But once he has received this promise, Zachariah's story hits a problem. He expresses perhaps understandable doubt about this promise. He questions if he can be certain it will happen. How can I be sure of this, he asks. In contrast to Mary, who doesn't question the certainty of her miraculous pregnancy, but merely based on the assumption that it will happen, asks how it will come about. The contrast is stark. Zachariah's doubt and lack of belief is sufficient for him to lose the power of speech for the duration of Elizabeth's pregnancy, which is a long time to be without speech. This cannot have been comfortable for him or Elizabeth, for that matter. Well, maybe it was for Elizabeth, I don't know. Um, <laughs> but it shows that in the fulfilment of God's purposes, life is not always comfortable. That is part of the pain of living between the two advents. But there are two things to note about the fact that Zechariah was struck dumb. He was a priest. He needed his voice to fulfil his priestly duties. 
If you, were, if you joined us for our Lent series back uh, in the spring, you may remember the story of the chap who was a worship leader but had had a serious vocal cord injury, which left him needing to limit his speech to one hour a day, and even that was extremely painful. He asked the question, what good is a worship leader who can't sing? And Zachariah may have asked himself, what good is a priest who can't speak? What good is a Jewish first century priest who cannot speak? From our perspective, therefore, it may seem bizarre and counterintuitive that God removed from Zachariah perhaps his key faculty in fulfilling the role that Zachariah had originally been called to. His original calling, his original purpose was serving in the temple and ministering on behalf of the people. He needed his voice. Why didn't God do something else in response to Zachariah's doubts that would have still allowed him to carry out his duties unimpaired? Or why didn't God simply choose somebody else to become the parents of John? To us, this may seem more logical, but Zechariah also tells us that God does not act according to our ideas. Hallelujah. If he did, he would be less than God. In Isaiah, we read, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. And secondly, Zachariah's doubt resulted in him losing his voice, but not his purpose in being the father of John. Elizabeth's pregnancy still went ahead. They were still given their miraculous baby, their baby still became John, the one who fulfilled scripture and prepared the way. God's purposes were still accomplished. Like Zechariah, we will not always get everything right in what God calls us to do. Like him, we may have doubts, go off track. But don't be tempted to give up at the first hurdle. God still has a purpose for your life. If we return to him and ask him humbly, in repentance if need be, but if we ask him, he will set us again on the right path. So Zechariah was given a purpose in the form of a promise. He then hit a problem. But after that, he turns to praise. If we had read on in chapter 1, we would have read, when it is assumed that the baby would be called Zechariah, which would have been traditional, the people ask Elizabeth, and she says, no, no, he is to be called John. They then ask Zechariah, well, you know, surely he should be called Zechariah. And we read this. Zachariah asked for a writing tablet, and to everyone's astonishment, 
He wrote, his name is John. Immediately his mouth was opened and his tongue set free and he began to speak, praising God. After months of being unable to speak, his first words were to praise God. They were not words of anger or bitterness, not words of remorse or self-pity, but words of praise. As a priest, perhaps you might have expected that, but he was a human being. He turned to praise, and when we have, think we have lost our way, we can always come back and turn to praise, and God will set us right. Zachariah's purpose may have appeared to have been lost in his problem of doubt and the resulting loss of speech. But in God, that situation and Zachariah's doubt have been redeemed and transformed into an utterance of deep and beautiful praise. Perhaps that time of silence was actually also a gift. A gift giving Zechariah time to repent, time to deepen his relationship with God, time to listen and not crowd out crowd out God's voice, but all that he was saying. Time to allow God's transforming work in his life. As I've just said, it must have been a very uncomfortable time, but God's calling and transforming, transforming work is not always comfortable. Like Zechariah, we are ordinary people. Despite that, God gives each of us a purpose. And most likely, it will be to do ordinary things that he will take and make extraordinary in the fulfilment of his eternal purposes. Like Zechariah, we may mess up along the way, get off track, we may even think that God's calling us must be a mistake. But God will still want to use us for his glory, in his way and not ours. And along the way, in God's miraculous, marvellous way, he will redeem any situation so that our hearts can turn to praise of how wonderful God has been. I'm sure Zechariah looked back and said, see what God has done. And as we head into communion, let us listen to the words that Zechariah spoke as he was filled with the Holy Spirit after his period of silence. Praise be to the Lord, the God of Israel, because he has come to his people and redeemed them. He raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David, as he said through his holy prophets of long ago, 
salvation from our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us, to show mercy to our ancestors and to remember his holy covenant, the oath he swore to our father Abraham, to rescue us from the hand of our enemies and to enable us to serve him without fear in holiness and righteousness before him all our days. And you, my child, will be called a prophet of the Most High, for you will go on before the Lord to prepare the way for him, to give his people the knowledge of salvation through the forgiveness of their sins, because of the tender mercy of our God, by which the rising sun will come to us from heaven to shine on those living in darkness and in the shadow of death, to guide our feet into the path of peace. He didn't speak words of bitterness or anger or remorse. He spoke words of praise and prophecy. Let us pray. Loving God, we thank you for the story of Zechariah. We thank you that though he messed up, you still redeemed that situation and brought him to that place of praise and prophecy. And Lord, though we often mess up when we are seeking to follow you, seeking to fulfill your purpose in our lives, we thank you that you can redeem any situation. Lord, turn our hearts, transform us, I pray, into people of prayer and prophecy. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen.